Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's a terrible call. That is a terrible call. And we're back with another Celtics pod. We're a day late on this, maybe two actually, so I apologize. There was some, but let's jump into it today. I'm joined by my boy Cody. Cody, how you doing, man? You're doing quite well, Adam. Thank you for having me on. Always a pleasure, my dude. Always a pleasure. So we, I put out an article the other day. We were doing a mailbag. This was kind of aiming to be for Monday. It's now going to be Wednesday when this releases. So we're going to tie this in along with a Mavs preview. So let's just jump right in, Cody, save these guys some valuable time. So the first question we've got is from Celtic Serbia. His question is, what is statistically better? The Jays versus Jays plus Gordon. Question is, probably I'm wrong because I've never liked Gordon Hayward, especially for the insane amount. But he has a feeling that the Cs, especially Jason and Jalen, are playing much better when Hayward is off the floor. As soon as he's back, both Jalen and Jason begin to struggle. And the C's are losing. Gordon Haywood is a kick in the nose boohoo. <laughs> Any trades ideas with Gordon Haywood in the package? So let's just start off with the statistics first on the team with Gordon and both Jays on the floor versus the team without Gordon on the floor but still containing Jaden and Jason. Yeah, so uh, we went to NBA.com and we looked up the lineup tracker. It shows like, it's an advanced stats. Um, NBA.com has some pretty cool stats you can really look at. Can isolate a lot of different things. We isolated some of the top lineups the Celtics employed. Um, there have been four lineups this year in which have played all five players have played thirty minutes or more with. Um, the best lineup has happened seven times for sixty-five minutes. Um, Gordon Hayward, Temba, Jason Brown, uh, Jason Brown, J- Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Daniel Tice, basically the starters. They have an offensive rating of one twenty-eight and a defensive rating of one hundred one. So that's with Gordon on the floor with the two Jays. And that's by far and away the best lineup the Celtics have run consistently all year. Um, there are a couple other lineups without Gordon. Uh, the one lineup that sticks out is Kemba, Jalen, Jason, Smart, and Rob. That's happened, it's been 23 minutes. And the offensive rating is good at 127, but the defense rating is already at 134. Um, and uh, these are obviously small sample sizes, and you can't really pinpoint it as of right now, for everything that I see, it seems that Gordon at least makes the team better. Does Jalen and Jason maybe struggle individually? Uh, possibly. But from all indications, it seems that when Gordon and the Jays are on the floor, that's some of the best lineups the Celtics can put out. Now, I totally agree. I feel like with Gordon on the floor, he helps orchestrate the offense and defense much more. He's more of a natural playmaker than either of the two Jays. Provides Kemba another guy to handle the ball and allow him to do some work off ball. And another thing that people need to kind of take into account as well is our best defender didn't play in those back-to-back losses. I know that coincided pretty much with Hayward returning to the lineup. So I can see how that can be misconstrued in that sense. For me, I feel like Hayward's playing the best ball since he's been in Boston. I mean, obviously, again, that's a small sample size due to unfortunate events that have occurred throughout his time there. Yeah. No, it's definitely Gordon. I mean, the one thing about Gordon is 
he's a great player, and you know, for we are seeing the Gordon Hayward we probably should have seen in the last couple of years. But he he understands that he, he's not taking any shots away from the Jays. Like I think Gordon understands that his role is to be a primary playmaker and to score when needed to keep his playmaking abilities. Uh, you know, for the defense to realize that he can score. You know, like he uses the scoring to help his playmaking even further. Because then if the defense knows that he can score too, if he has been this year, I mean, he's having one of the best seasons statistically efficiently. He's shooting 55% from the field right now, which is by far and away the best he's had in his career. Um, again, the small sample size. Missed about a couple, missed a couple weeks with the hand and obviously that whole year with the foot. And then last year was kind of a, a toss-up year. I think that's what really put the bad taste in everyone's mouth. Everyone thought he was going to be Gordon Hayward again right off rip. Um, but yeah, I think right now, Gordon is a great complement to what the team wants to do. He's an extra playmaker. Um, he can shoot the ball efficiently, and he has been all year. And he understands, he's not like, he does, he's not taking shots away. He's actually giving shots to Brown and Tatum. So then the next question, the next part of that question was trade packages with Gordon Hayward. Personally, I don't want to discuss a trade package with Hayward, but it's been asked. So, for any big name player, assuming that's most likely going to be a big, that's on a half decent contract, Hayward's going to need to be a makeweight. It's him or Smart, and I think at that point you do opt to lose Hayward, especially due to the player option at the end of the year, which I'd assume he opts into or he opts out and tries to sign a longer term deal either here or somewhere else just to try and get that one final pay there. I wouldn't say final, but like the last right. payday is a better way of wording that. Who would you consider using Hayward as a make-weight in a deal for? Because I hear Kevin Love's name thrown around. Personally, I don't think he's going to be a great fit. He's aging, he's injury-prone, and he's on a longer-term big-boy contract that's going to restrict the cap flexibility for a while. Who would you be looking at? Um, If I were to choose one, I know there were this this name has been thrown out. I'll uh, uh, two names have been thrown out. Uh, either a Clint Capella or a Stephen Adams type guy. Um, those two I know, Capella and Adams have been on the block and have been tied over to the Celtics. That, excuse me for the last couple, the last like off season and a half, last year and a half. I think Stephen Adams. If you do make a move, I think Stephen Adams is the one. I wouldn't be completely. Um, opposed to trading Gordon for Adams, and then obviously we'll see what the rest of the filler is, whether it's one of the rookies that we have or a pick or something along those, those lines. Um, but I think Stephen Adams is a player that if you, if you do have the opportunity to trade Hayward um, for Adams, I think you I think you at least entertain it a lot. Stephen Adams is everything the Celtics needs. A big body down low who can protect the paint and rebound. Right now, we're basically sharing those two skills between Cantor and Tice. Um, the things that Cantor does well, Tice doesn't, or at least doesn't do it as well as level. And obviously, as a defender, Tice is way better than Cantor. I think I'm a way better defender than Cantor. Um, Stephen Adams is that big, it, it's like Aaron Baines. He's a better Aaron Baines. And that's exactly what the Celtics need right now. What um, about, would you be willing to discuss a straight swap? player for player, and this got put to me via a Twitter message. Mm -hmm. uh, it, made, it made me check if it was feasible, then it started me wanting to ask this question. And yeah. guys, if you're listening, I definitely want you to respond to your ideas on this too. Straight swap, Gordon Hayward for Andre Drummond. Ooh. 
contracts work, the trades possible one for one. One for one. That's interesting. That's an interesting thing. Obviously, it, yeah, the only issue is there. Obviously, it does clog the center rotation further, so there'd be a subsidiary trade that would follow to kind of remove some right. of the other bigs. But as a straight package, one for one swap, you get we Celtics get Andre Drummond, um, Detroit get Gordon Hayward. That would be interesting because Andre Drummond's, I believe, the year that they got Blake Griffin at the trade deadline two years ago, he was one of he was like leading the league in assists for big men that year because the way that he was being used, they basically threw him at the top of the elbow and let him operate, which is like what the Celtics did with Al Horford. And you add that rebounder, he's easily the best rebounder in the game. Um, defensively, there's still some questions. I think he's more of a big body than anything, and people just assume he can play good defense. I'm saying he's bad at defense, but there's obviously not that. He doesn't have Steven Adams type defense. That would, oh, that makes me think a little bit. Oh, no. Yeah, someone good. asked me, and I was like, I'm going to need to get that's back to you, good. and I still haven't got back to him. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good, because like I said, I think Andre Drummond isn't like, Insane. He's not the playmaker that Gordon Hayward is, obviously. But that's a big... He can playmake better than any big man we, uh, the Celtics have right now. Um, and that can kind of go back. And uh, Obviously, Brad knows how to use that. And if anyone can get the full potential out of Andre Drummond, who's what, like a 16-16 guy right now? Um, oh, that's super interesting. He's, a little, he's younger, obviously. Um, that would kind of relegate Rob to a bench role, which would be fine right now. You're He's contracted to... this year and next, so you've got two years of him before you have to start worrying about it. I was just suit when it got put to me, and I was like, well, I want to make sure the numbers work before I respond. Right. Numbers work. And then I was like, do you know what? I'm a little bit lower on Stephen Adams than some people, simply because of the contract situation. The right. Uh, I'm not saying he's a bad player. I think he's a fantastic player. I just... I find I actually tweeted somebody yesterday. Like he does have his deficiencies on defense as well. He can oh get, yeah. He for some reason he really struggles guarding the role man off a pick and roll. He he's more successful coming up. It looks like he's more successful when he shows than when he drops. Drops. So I mean that's going off synergy stats for this year and last year. Looking at the percentage of time he was attacked by when he was guarding the role man. So when he played drop coverage compared to percentage of time. He was guarding the ball handler, assuming that's when he shows. When a player was going over a pick, so obviously he was meeting them off the show. He was super, super effective. He was like, I think he was in like the 89th percentile. When he dropped, he was like really, really low in efficiency at stopping the big, the roller from scoring or assisting on a player. And to me, I'm just like, well, if we're good at that point, I understand the upgrade in terms of rim running, in terms of the, his defensive intensity and the way he attacks the room on the offensive end, but we're still going to have the same hole in the defense that we do with Cantor. Right, yeah. Because, you know, Cantor's at least decent uh, when he faces a thicker guy and just basically stands in the paint. Obviously, he's awful defensively, but he at least looks okay ish when he just, and that's when the pick and roll is really what kills him. Um, yeah, Drummond really does make you think, though. That is a big thinker. Um, I'd, I'd probably be leaning towards accepting that. I would, that's actually a really good question. Whoever sent that in, or that's actually wildly good. 
Um, but I would I would think about that one heavy. I'll say that. I'll think about that one heavy. I'm probably like 60-40, 65-35 making that trade. Yeah, I'm I'm leaning more towards Drummond than anybody else at the moment. I know there was um some somebody on Twitter put out uh just like a a, a snip bit a tip bit saying that Indiana were considering moving Miles Turner. That's another one you need to look at. But yeah. That one's super interesting because Turner's on quite a considerably smaller deal than Drunk. Well, no, actually, it's quite similar. It could happen. But at the moment, he's not having the best of years. Drummond, as you say, he's young. He's he's the type of big that Brad would like to use in that high post. Yeah. We'll run an offense through Drummond, and Drummond's going to eat on the boards no matter what. He doesn't floor stretch, but hey, that's cool. I mean, at the moment, we don't really have a floor stretching big. Tice is starting to hit his free. But I'd much rather start ha- take a really good look at Drummond before I took a good look at Stephen Adams at this point. Yeah, I think Miles Turner is also a good name, and I think that's the name I would settle on out of all those guys. I'd probably rather have Miles Turner just because he was basically he was a defensive player of the year candidate low key last year, um, and he was he was a really good big man defensively, and he showed it last year. This year having a little bit of struggles, I think he started the year on. Uh, he had an like, injured ankle or injured knee and didn't get back until a couple, like a week or two into the season. So he had a, a slower start. Uh, Miles Turner's had been a name that's been thrown around. Obviously, Miles Turner for Jalen Brown was something that was talked about last summer or before the end of the year last year. Um, but I would probably, if I had to like say, the, I would probably go Turner Drummond right there and then Adam Capella. If you would tell me Gordon Hayward for one of those big men. That's probably where I would list them. But then the next question we've got, and this one's quite a long one. It's from C.P. Heron. So, dude, I'm I'm going to kind of minimize this question a little bit just by missing a few of the, the draft picks that you've included in your list. Guys, it's on the mailbag article if you want to see the question in its entirety. So the question is, the Celtics... Predict the outcome. So what he's done is he's gave us list A and list B. List A is Celtics picks that never developed into rotation players for the Celtics. Majority of them never um, developed elsewhere either. List B are guys that did develop into rotation players for this team. So list A, I'm going to read out four of the guys. So we're going to look at Fab Mello, Colton Iverson, Marcus Thornton, and Yabu. Those are just a few. He's also threw in, he's threw in Jabari Bird, Kadeem Allen. I'm just going to read a few more. Jarja Juan Johnson and F1 Moore. So those are guys that didn't develop into rotational players for the Celtics. The majority of them didn't really do much elsewhere either. List B is players who did develop, and that's Avery Bradley, Jared Sullinger, Smart, Rogier, Brown, and Tatum. So then what he's asking us to do is list C, is our current batch of rookies or draft picks that are still on the roster from their original pick. So we've got Semi, Robert Williams, Romeo, Grant, Carson, and Traymont. And he's asking us to decide which of the lists we're going to place these guys in. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to do this one for one so Cody can place his guys and then I'll place my guys. Alright, yeah. Um, looking at this list, <laughs> A, it brings me back. J.R. Giddens, Bill Walker, uh, Semi Erd, Dan, Luke Hayward, Goatee, uh, these are some pretty cool lists. I, a lot of them, a good amount of them are second round picks. Um, Kadeem Allen, Jabari Bird, Abdel Nader, I believe, are second round picks. Um, the big one, James, uh, James Young was supposed to hit. That was him and, uh, 
Marcus Smart who was drafted. So these are some pretty cool names and lists that did develop or a lot of the high draft picks we had. Terry Rozier was the number 16 pick. Bellinger was 21. Uh, Brown and Tatum were both number three. Uh, Bradley was mid-first round. Smart was six. So if I were to put my list right here, I would say Rob Williams. This one's really tricky. Because Rob Hat is in the rotation right now, and Rob has had his flashes, and I've been very critical of Rob, just saying that mentally he's not where he needs to be, um, awareness-wise and all that other stuff. So this one can go either way. If he does develop that, which I'm going to say he is, I'm going to put him in list B. I don't. He could become the starting center for the Celtics, depending on what happens. I think he has the skills and what we need if he can develop that mental stuff. I'm going to put him in list B. Um, I could see him in list A if he just never gets it. But I'm going to go list B for Rob Williams. Semi, I'm going to go list A. Um, I think just, and Semi's been playing decent this year, and he's had his ups, he's had his downs. I just think that he's just going to fall out of the rotation, and this might be the last year we see of Semi. Um, so I'll throw him in list A, but I have him the potential to make some, uh, be something somewhere else. Um, so I'm going to put him at list A. Romeo, going to go list B. I think he's going to be a good uh, role player. Um, I think he has the most upside about anyone we've drafted, but I also think he has the biggest bust potential over anyone we've drafted. And I, Adam, you know I'm very partial to Romeo Langford. Oh, this is um, biased. This is definitely biased. This is definitely biased. But he's been playing really, really well in the G League. So when he has been playing basketball, which I know with the, the finger... And then uh, the foot injury that he had over the past year and a half. When he is playing basketball, he has been playing very well. And the things that I'm seeing, I do like. Uh, me and Brendan were talking about this the other day. Um, I'll put him in list B. Will he be a superstar? Maybe not. But I think he, at the least, he could be a serviceable scoring wing off the bench. And could really give Celtic something they haven't seen in a couple of years, which is a, a get-me-a-bucket guy off the bench. Grant Williams, I think, with B easily. I think he has the least bust potential, and he can easily be the best player we've drafted um, in this class. Grant, he can stick with guards a good amount. He, he's very smart, very strong, very crafty. I do love Grant. Carson Edwards, I'm gonna throw in list B. I think he had a really uh, he struggled a little bit, and obviously you're very partial to uh, Carson Edwards, Adam. So. That's my guy, dude. Yeah, I mean, I have Romeo, you have Carson. But I think Carson can be that, uh, you know, microwave off the bench, and I think he will. I don't think he becomes a starter or, you know, a a Celtic legend in that regard, but I think he'll be a very serviceable bench guy for a couple years, and depending on what happens, uh, move on to do a Terry and move on to bigger, better things, or stay with us and, you know, be one of those players off the bench. Tremont, I'm going to put in list A. I love Tremont. I just don't think he's going to get the opportunity he deserves with the Celtics. I think you have Kemba, you have Smart, you have Carson. Um, Romeo is going to be a ball handler off the bench, hopefully. I just think that you have guys who are better than that, uh, better than him right now that play his same role. I do love Trey Martin. What he's doing in the G League is great. When he came to the Celtics against Denver, I want to say, we had the plus 20, uh, plus minus game. You know, he showed the heart. He showed the desire. He showed that he's capable of playing in the NBA. So I'm going to put him in list A, and he might carve a role somewhere else. So that's where I have Semi list A, Tremont list A, Rob, Langford, Grant, and Carson in list A. 
I like that. I like the um the fact you stuck with your bias on Romeo too. I'm always happy to hear that you're still in love with Romeo. Uh, of course, call me Juliet because I love Romeo. <laughs> Guys, if you've never heard Cody's poems, hit him up. I'm sure he'll sort you right out. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I'm not too dissimilar, really. Uh, I've got Shemi in list A simply because I do feel like he will carve a role on another team. It's and he has shown a defensive improvement recently. His shot's been falling a bit better as well. He's earned himself a very large role in the rotation currently. I just feel like we've seen this from him before, and then he's failed to consistently build on that or to show that level of play over a long period of time. This feels more like one of those times where it's a flash, a flash of his potential rather than he's actually took a step. So for that reason, I'm going to put him in list A, maybe... Mo- like losing his spot in the Celtics and getting a shot somewhere else where maybe he'd be a bit higher up in the rotation is exactly what he needs to take that next step. He might need that reality check. Robert Williams, I want to put in list B. We've spoke about uh, a few minutes ago about how Brad likes his big step can facilitate from the high post that are good passes. Rob gives you all of that. Rob's a sneakily good passer. He's displaying much more of a playmaking touch at the moment. His athleticism sets him apart from the rest of the centers on our team anyway. If, if he can get his head around the, pro, the professional side of the game, reading his covers better, keeping his rotations, and he learns when to jump and when to just get big and alter shots due to his length and the threat of him blocking, I think he can become a solid player. Bigs generally take a lot longer to develop than any other position on the floor anyway. So I'm not worried currently uh, he's already shown development if he was exactly the same as what we saw last year then i'd probably put him in this day but for now he's shown me enough to make me think that he will develop into a guy that can play a rotational part on this team at minimum so he goes in list b romeo langford at risk of upsetting cody now i'm only joking he's going in he's going in list b simply because i feel it's disingenuous to judge a guy that is able to light it up the way he does, handle the ball the way he does, facilitate on offense the way he does, and to then all of a sudden write him off due to uh, injury-prone start. We haven't really seen enough from him to go one way or another, but we don't have a list D where it's wait and see. So I'm going to put him in list B for now, but he's what he's on a provisional. We're going to have to revisit him at the end of the year. I agree with that. I agree with that. Grant Williams, high IQ. Um, super good locker room guy. Hit his first three. Hopefully that becomes a regular part of his game. Again, it's still super early in his career, but I feel like out of all the rookies, he's shown the most promise early. He'll be a rotational guy in the league for a long time. And I know me and you spoke about that before, Cody. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes in list B. Carson Edwards, man, that's my guy. But it feels like to me that unless he's getting super hot, it feels like another Terry Rozier where unless he's going to get high usage and be afforded 10 to 15 shots a game to really find his rhythm and then capitalize on it, he's going to really struggle with a bench role in the league. Uh, if he can become more efficient on less shots and he can figure out when to shoot the three, when to drive, then he'll definitely carve a role somewhere. Again, it's still early. The signs aren't good when he was originally kept on the Celtics roster and then all of a sudden he's being sent down to Maine. Personally, I feel like that's more for his confidence than for his development. I think he was having a rough go of it from from behind the arc. He was struggling driving in. 
Maybe he just needed to be able to go and play against lesser competition, drop a 20-piece on Sunfalls, and then come back up with renewed confidence to have another go. I'm going to put him in list B, but again, he's on a provisional. Tremont Waters, dude. Um, John Karadis said this best. If he was 6'4", 6'5", he would have been a lottery pick. Yeah. Uh, There's no doubt about that. The dude's super talented. And it's not like a precedent hasn't a precedent hasn't been set for a small guy to light it up in this league. Uh, the last guy to do it was in green. He he's a legend in my eyes. He's definitely going to have a role in the league. But the same as you, I don't see it being on the Celtics. As things stand, I mean, if Carson Edwards doesn't pan out, then Traymond Waters to me becomes the de facto third string guard to begin. Yep. Uh, and then he's got an opportunity there. I'm going to put him in list A. But him and Carson Edwards, for the rest of this season, I'm going to class as interchangeable between those two. Yeah, and also the one thing, just because they're in the G League doesn't mean they're bust or that they're bad. You know, it's, it's much like minor league baseball. You don't make the majors until you're ready. And a lot of these are kids. I mean, 80% of the first-rounders are freshmen that are 18, 19, 20 years old coming in the NBA, like grown men, so... You know, I ho- hopefully the narrative of the G League changes for the better and that you know a lot of these first-round picks do spend a good amount of time in the G League to make sure they're ready. I think that can save the careers of a lot of these kids. So just because players are in the G League doesn't mean that they're bad or doesn't mean that they're not, you know, they're bust. It means that right now they're not ready because they're 12 years old. And, you know, there are other players on the team that are. So, you know, that's why the, the number one, number two, number three, four, five picks are, you know, in the NBA and playing well. But we've seen number one pick, number two picks struggle. R.J. Barrett struggling right now. You know, he, he had a really good first part of the year, but I don't think the G League automatically means bad. With the G League, the one thing I really look out for is you see so many guys just trying to light it up or lighting it up because they want to get noticed. Uh, for me, what I look for more is, are they making their defensive reads right? Are they exactly. rotating? Are they exactly. facilitating? Are they playing team ball? The guys that play team basketball in the G League are the ones that will survive. Exactly. When the guys that are out there just trying to drop 20 pieces on guys every night, they're, they're, that's why they're in the G League, because they haven't learned to play within a system yet. All of these guys coming out of college, High, well, used to be high school, coming out of college, they're used to being the star. There was this, there was number one option in high school, most likely number one option on their college team. You get to the NBA, you're the sixth, seventh, eighth option on that team. A lot of it, to me, is down to that. These guys have to go down to the G League to learn that you don't impact games just by scoring. And the guys that can, the guys that can actually take that on board and improve their game like that, like Robert Williams that went down to the G League and this year we see he's worked on his passing, his facilitating for others, his impacting the games other than just dunking on falls. That to me is a huge factor in development that you get from ha- having to hit, eat that humble pie when you're assigned down to the G League affiliates. Yeah, and a lot of the list, like only semis is really the only one that we've had enough time to be like, okay, like we kind of know where he's at. The other guys, they've played like, what, 20, 25 games in the league so far. So, But that was, I, I'm going to go out, that was the best question. So that was definitely the best question to Mr. and or Mrs. Seferon. That was the best question. You guys might see a cool for that one. That was a really cool one. 
The next question we've got is who is your favourite commenter on this blog? I like every commenter on this blog. It's a community. Just because we don't agree doesn't mean we don't like you. I'm sticking by that. Uh, I'm not going to be drawn on anything like that. I think everybody's entitled to their opinion. Oh, yeah. Probably the most easiest cop out, but it's true. Uh, so I'm, I wanted to read it out because you took the time to put it in the comments. So I feel like I should take the time to at least give you a response. And oh, you won't. Your name was 83rd Times the Charm. So thank you for the question. Um, you're probably not going to like the answer, but there you go. <laughs> the next one we've got, and this is kind of, this kind of brought some comments in it within itself. So this is from Dylan and Towns, and he's asked, would you ever consider, even consider trading Tatum this season? For example, for a Bam Adebayo. Uh, not sure Miami agree, but obviously this is just an example. Personally, no. Uh, I don't think I want Tatum involved in any trade talks. If we weren't willing to put him in a trade talk for Anthony Davis, I'm not willing to put him in a trade talk for anyone other than Cat Williams. Cat Williams, Carl Anthony Towns. I always go Cat Williams. It's because I watch him so much on my phone. Yeah. Carl Anthony. Uh, every lunch break, dude, it's Cat Williams and um, <laughs> what's his name? Aries Spears. Those are my two guys for my lunch. Carl oh, yeah. Anthony Towns. Um, unless it's for Cat. It's, I'm not willing to do it. Yeah, I think I'm on the same train. I was one of the guys that said, like, if we can get Anthony Davis, like, Tatum's great, but, like, Anthony Davis. And I say it like this, and this is what I think a lot of people, you know, obviously love Tatum and everything. It's, what is the player right now that we're getting? And what do you believe Jason Tatum could be? When Anthony Davis was getting traded around, and I've said this multiple times, well, Anthony Davis is like a top five player in the NBA right now. He's like 25, 26, and will be a top five NBA player for at least the next five, six years. Will Tatum ever be a top five player in the NBA? There's, there's a chance. And for what I think, there's, there's a decent chance that he can be a top 10, top five player. But you never know. Maybe this is where he caps out. It's so hard to project in the future, and that's what makes these GMs' jobs so difficult. I agree. If, call, if Minnesota called up right now and offered, obviously it would be if there would be other pieces involved. But if it was Tatum, if we can get Carl Anthony Towns and Tatum was one of the pieces, then I'd be down for it. Um, I think Carl Anthony Towns is a phenomenal player, and I've said it right now, and I can't wait to hear the backlash after I say what I'm about to say. But I think Carl Anthony Towns is the most complete offensive big man the game has ever seen. I'm not saying he's the best offensive big man you ever seen. You know, you have your Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's, your Tim Duncan's, your Hakeem ones, but I think there's been no player in history that has post moves, shooting touch, off the dribble moves. Like he's a guard playing center. He's shooting 40% from three for his career, and he's taking like five or six. You don't see guards do that, let alone a seven footer. He's also a phenomenal rebounder. Defense is improving, but could be better. Passing is improving, but could be better. But other than that, he is elite just about everything else. I would take that for Jason. But not if you have to include Jalen Brown, right? Yeah, that's when that's basically like if if it was two K, it was just straight up. I would take it, but it would also it would depend on what else we're giving up. I don't think I'd go both days for him. Um, oh no, because then you 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 still you're removing two borderline all stars for yeah. one. And then and, you even go like Tatum and Smart for that? 
that one, you know, I hope Tom Parker's a great player, but it, it's... I feel like if Smart ever gets traded, we should all, like, riot. I agree. I'd be the first one at the TD guard and knock it on the door like, hello, I would like to speak to Mr. Ainge, please. <laughs> Fun fact, though, you mentioned Hakeem Elijah one. He's in my city constantly running basketball camps, dude. Really? Well, if you see Mr. Elijah one, you tell him that Cody says hello. And then so he he, he runs basketball camps for the for the team that I used to play for, but oh, obviously, wow. and uh, I'm really annoyed that he started running them camps after I passed the yeah. play. Oh, what I would give to me Hakeem Elijah one. The questions I have. I used to study Hakeem constantly, constantly. I mean, fly, fly out to my city and we'll go to where he's at. He's here every summer, dude. If you think I love Romeo, wait till you get me on Hakeem Olajuwon. Oh, <laughs> God. Wow, I love Hakeem. So the next question is from Celtic Warrior. I like the name. Very good name. I'm assuming that you're, um, would that be Scottish? Yeah. Yes, he could be Scottish. You know, like Braveheart, Highlander. Those, those sort of warriors. Anyway, or we might just like the Celtics. Anyway, who among the rookies will have the most solid NBA career? Not the highest ceiling, or sorry, or best start, best start, but the most complete career. You can include signings like Green and Poirier in that. He's with Trey, Mon- Trey Waters when all is said and done. I like that. I would personally say Grant should have had the best career. 100%. Um, 100%, 100% would be. Like I said that Romeo probably, if, if Romeo hits his potential, I think he's like a top 10 player in that class. Maybe even like a, I think he has one of the better offensive games from that class um, completely. And if he hits his potential, he could probably be the best player the Celtics got and had the best career. But I'm going Grant just as the safe bet. I mean, he's even if he doesn't, hit super potential, like if he's like this level for the rest of his career, that's a solid player that, you know, he definitely has the the highest floor. Um, and I think his ceiling's pretty decent as well. Um, I don't think he's going to be a, a all-star superstar, but I think, you know, he got comparisons to Al Horford for his IQ, his craftiness, his passing ability, his, you know, everything that he does defensively as well. We've seen glimpses of that. I think if you were to say who would have the most consistent career, the best career, as they say, uh, it'd be almost crazy to not say Grant. Here's a question for you, and it's just popped into my head, and I might get ridiculed for this. Sure. I kind of see him developing into like a Draymond Green light, like a light yeah. version of Draymond. I can see. It. I mean, obviously, it's super hard, and I kind of hate how people like say, "Oh, he's the next Kevin Durant. He's the next this and that." So I just put so much pressure, but. Oh yeah, I'm just talking like similar. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Very, very. They they remind me of each other. They're both exactly. Yeah, a little bit undersized and. Yeah, he's probably not the rebounder that Draymond is, and he probably won't be the playmaker Draymond is. But I can see him being like a thirteen, fourteen, like six and four type guy. Yeah, I had him at like fourteen, seven, and five, so we're pretty much yeah, similar. Something, but... something in that area, and he's strong, and he's really he's strong enough. Like Draymond's not, they, I think they're around the same size. Draymond's super strong. So was Grant. They're very high IQ. I mean, say what you want about Draymond Green, I know he's a pretty polarizing player, but he really, he was a super huge cog in those Warriors. Um, like 
just the unselfishness, basically setting up Clay and Curry a lot. Like he was basically the quote unquote point guard. On and you team. can't shut either of them up, dude. You get them no. talking, and that's it, dude. And it's different. Like Trey Mama, you know, talk about your mama, but you know, Grant, as long as Grant, Williams... how's your day going, man? Like how he <laughs> reminds me of Andrew Luck. If anyone, you know, see, you ever seen an Andrew Luck video like quarterback? Like he would get hit, and he'd go, "Hey, nice hit, bro, bro. Like that was great. Nice hit. Keep it coming." I was like, this kid's a maniac. He just got <laughs> leveled by a 300-pound defensive end and just slapped him on the helmet and graduated. Uh, I think that's kind of Grant. Um, but, yeah, I can see him becoming kind of and molding into that Draymond-esque role. Well, All I'm asking used... for is no unsolicited Snapchats off Grant Williams, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely keep that part of Draymond's game out of it. Yeah, let's uh, let's not go into the social media exploits, but definitely, I feel like that's um one of the better comparisons you can give. I'm not saying he's going to hit the heights of Draymond, but he's definitely got that sort of potential game to develop. Yeah, he so, definitely is in that mold. Like he is the putty that you can mold into a Draymond. I do think Vincent Poirier is going to surprise a lot of people. I feel it might not be on this team; it might be uh, an opportunity he gets with a different team. But I do think he's going to become. I can see him being like an eight to twelve minute a night guy on like a on not a contender but a playoff caliber team. Yeah, I mean, like I hope hopefully like he was brought in and he he kind of was he was kind of in my head the, a mix between Tice and Rob. Like he had the athleticism; he was more athletic than Tice, but not quite as athletic as Rob and. He kind of reminded me of both of those guys, tall, lanky dudes that ran the rim and blocked shots. And just hasn't really got the opportunity. And, I mean, that makes sense. Tice didn't get a lot of playing time. He, he got more playing time towards the end of the year, his first year. Obviously, the, uh, the surgery he just got, I think it was announced today, um, six weeks, I believe, was the timetable. Um, I hope when Poirier can come in and, and be a solid guy. I don't think he ever, he's going to have starter potential. Oh, no, I can no see chance. Him, I can see him being what Rob is right now. Yeah, I feel but like more consistent. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Eight to twelve minutes a night, most likely not on this team. Uh, especially if we end up moving for a, an Andre Drummond or somebody similar, I feel like that then makes him very expendable. So the next question we've got is Celtics West. When do you think Jason Tatum will stop shying away from contact on offense? When he drives to the hoop, he prefers finger rolls rather than a strong power move to close. When he shoots from five to ten feet out, he's favoring turnaround and fadeaways rather rather than trying to get into the defender. Is it just a matter of him developing greater upper body strength? I think, like for me at the moment, I'm grateful to see him drive. Period. Regardless of how he's trying to finish, um, he's still going to be growing into his frame for the next maybe what two years, three years, as he develops lower body strength as well. That's gonna enable him to kind of explode more to the hoop. It's going to enable him to take that contact to keep moving. The upper body strength as that develops will uh, enable him to kind of shield the ball more from his man, which then will probably equal out in more dunks, uh, stronger drives off the backboard. The only thing with the 5 to 10 foot jump shots is I think he just likes that fadeaway jumper. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't see that changing massively. I see him taking less of them as he improves closing around the rim. At the moment, he's just having trouble kissing it off the glass. Uh, small steps for me. I'm happy to see he's made that adjustment in his game and 
over the next season, two seasons, I'd expect him to, to really ramp up that field goal percentage because he's finishing better around the room. Yeah, I agree with that. I think he's a finesse player mentally, but his body type suggests a power player. And I think he has the strength and he has the ability. He just hasn't really done it before, I don't think. I think before his athleticism was enough to get to where he wanted quicker than anybody else. He didn't really have to. He has a big shoulder. So I think he, if he decided to put some work into it, he could be one of the better finishers in the game. I truly believe that. He has the shoulders for it. He has. I think he has the strength right now. I just don't think he's ever had to do it. So he doesn't really know how. You know, you get me? Like, he's always had the athleticism to just jump over people or jump through people or, you know, they weren't good enough with body positioning that he could just, he could finesse it off. And maybe he's a little soft. Maybe. Maybe he shies away from contact sometimes. He would rather try to get around you and he could easily go right into a guy, shoulder to, to chest, and then piss it up. And like you said, Adam, I'm glad he's just driving the rim because he's too good to not. But I think it's just, that's just more of a, a mental thing for him. I think if he just decides, wait, I have this body to do this, he'll be it. Yeah, more than... And I feel like that's going to evolve. At the minute, as I said, I want him to be finishing harder around the hoop. But at the moment, I just want him to be able to finish around the hoop however he feels comfortable. Because his field goal percentage is kind of low simply because he's getting great looks at the rim and he's just not able to finish it. I feel yeah. like once he starts finishing those more and his confidence around the rim builds and he gets more used to how to contort his body around defenders, he might be like, well, why am I twisting this way when I can just go straight up or straight over? Uh, the, I think the first step is to get that field goal percentage up, get your consistency finishing at the, root, the rim up, and then start looking to add more power plays in from there. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, you know, like I said, I think it's just him trying to he's figure out his body. I mean, he he's a big, obviously he's a big kid, and he has that, those shoulders, like I said, and he just has to figure out his body, and he has to, yeah, it might take a, a year this year, but hopefully next year he really figures it out and's like, all right, like, I can do this. But I, I personally think he can do it right now. I think it's more of like a mental thing. Like you said, the at least beginning of the season, his percentages at the rim are awful, god-awful. Um, they're climbing up a little bit now. Hopefully that confidence builds a little bit more and he's more willing to drive to the room than just stop and pop and turn around that 10, 15, 5 feet, 5, 15 feet area and just go after guys. Um, but if he figures that out, I think he's going to be a wildly more efficient player. And so, much player. I mean, I've said this before, and if anybody listening has ever done like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Judo, uh, wrestling, the, the, the concept and the principles the same. You can be shown a, a method on how to do something, but until you adapt that method to your body and the way your body moves, that method isn't going to be a hundred percent successful. You can be taught how to, I don't know, like I'm super tall. Well, I'm not super tall, but I'm lanky. So I'm like six free, six free and a bit. You could show me how to triangle choke somebody all day long, but until I've done that 60, 70, 80, 90 times on multiple different guys of different shapes, different strengths, I'm not going to understand how my body moves that way. It's the same when you're coming up for an up and under around the room. Like You need to learn what angle you can turn and at what angle you can hook the ball. 
And I feel like this is just reps at this point now. He's got, he's got, he's made the adjustment to his game. Now it's all about figuring out the angles that his body's most comfortable at when finishing. Yeah, and you know, it's it's almost like anyone that went through a growth spurt in middle in middle school or whatever. Like when you you're normally like five two, and then all of a sudden you're five eight. You're you, you're clumsy. Everyone knows those clumsy kids. They're getting used to their body. And so what was, age is middle school? We don't have middle school. Oh, well, you know, we have middle school. What um, age is it? Because I had a mad growth spurt. Middle school is like technically six to eight. Okay, so yes, yeah, so I went from like five seven to like six one in like eight. Yeah, yeah like I was a pudgy bat, uh, kid. Like I was fat. And then like one summer I grew like four inches and was like skinny and everyone's like, who, who are you? I've been going to school for 10 years. What do you want from me? And I had to learn how to use my body again, you know, especially playing sports. I, you know, they basically put me in a whole new position group when I was doing sports. I, I had a new body for everything. It, it takes some time to real like, just eating and putting clothes on and, you know, grabbing things. Like, everyone thinks, like, what are you talking about? Like, when you're bigger and, you know, your body is growing and everything, you, you got to get used to all that stuff again. And I think once Tatum realizes that he has the shoulders of an actual ox. So the final question before we take a break, I know this is quite a long podcast, guys, but I wanted to make sure everybody took the time to ask a question, gets an answer to their question. So the final question, again, is from Celtics West, repping it, man. Non-bigs, non-playmaker usage. From watching the game, who do you see Brad Stevens matching Ojale, Grant Williams, Carson Edwards and Javante Green up against. I know their minutes vary quite a lot, so I was trying to get a sense of how they are being matched up. For me, the way I kind of see it is Ojale and Grant Williams are matching up against like, like a second or third option or one of the primary options that come off the bench. They're, they're right there to put defensive pressure on guys that Marcus Smarts or is already preoccupied and can't pick up or they're maybe a bit too big for somebody like Jalen or to want a guard. I know Jalen's super long and athletic. And then Carson Edwards and Javante Green, for me, are being, not hidden, but they're definitely being put on a less of a prominent assignment than what you'd expect somebody like Smart or Hayward or one of the other guys to be picking up. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Grant, I think Grant and Semi are definitely better than the other two defensively and not a hot take to say it. Uh, Grant's pretty switchy. I've seen him. I remember like vividly uh, during one of the Knicks games, like he was going like foot, you know, uh, stride for stride with Dennis Smith, who was one of the more athletic players in the entire league. Um, so I think Grant. I don't say do that all the time because he can get exposed at times. But Grant's definitely one of those players where. You can put him in an offensive lineup, just make the whole the defense as a whole a little bit better. Excuse me. Uh, he's switchy, and that's what the Celtics like to do a little bit. Um, so I think Grant, you can really play against anybody. Obviously, um, I you know games where there are huge centers like a, a Zubac or Embiid, um, he won't play in those types of lineups because you can't really guard them. But he he'll guard when he's in the game, like you said, like a first scoring off option off the bench or one of the maybe even second or third options in the starting lineup he, I think he would be fine guarding that semi obviously is very niche as well um, I think he can 
hang around with some of the bigger guys who are a little bit stronger because he's pretty strong as well. Um, he gets when it comes to the perimeter, he's quick enough, but not super quick to guard ones or twos. But I think threes and fours are where you kind of want Semi going um, up against. He's squishy enough where he can kind of hold his own for a second or two. Um, and then Carson Edwards, obviously, he tries, but it's one of those things where he just his body isn't meant to go against like the top scorers in the league. Like he's crafty, like uh, scrappy. Like he'll guard you, you know, seventy-five feet. But it's one of those things where like he'll you have to kind of hide him. Same thing with Javante. I think he'll be a uh, if he gets the IQ a little bit. I think he'll be a, a good help defender. Uh, you put him on a, the offensive liability for the other team, and you let his athleticism fill in lanes quick, and people aren't really ready for that. I think if he kind of figures out off-ball defense to a T. I think his athleticism is enough for him to guard one of the worst players offensively on the other team, but he can be a pretty good uh, help defender. So guys, we're going to go to a short break, and then we're going to do a brief preview of the maps. I know this is running quite long, so thank you if you're still with us. Try and stay through to the end. It's going to only be like a 10-minute segment. Uh, we'll be back in a sec. By the time this airs, we're going to be at the end of the mini hiatus from the Celtics and we're going to be facing the Luka Doncic Les Mavericks. For the Celtics, we're going to be missing Marcus Smart. That eye infection spread to both eyes. He's going to be out. From what I read and got told, it was given a 7 to 10 day timeline. Tomorrow's going to be day 8. So hopefully that won't be affecting him for much longer. Vinny Sexy Fingers, which is apparently a self-given nickname, which I think is absolutely fantastic will be out for the next six weeks following surgery on his hand. We've got no time lord due to, is it a hip anema? I think so, yeah. I think that's yeah. What, what they said. So we've got no time lord. Apparently, from what I can see, Taco Falls gonna, is in line to be called up to take over the minutes being vacated by those two bigs. Am I missing anybody, Cody? I feel like I'm missing somebody. That's smart. Vinny... Doncic, obviously, for the opposite. Doncic is out, which is unfortunate. Uh, yeah, so the injury report that came out about an hour ago from right now when we're recording this, Poirier out, right pinky fracture, smart out, left eye infection, and Rob out, left hip bone, edema. As that's of right it, now, edema. That's, that's it. And then, obviously, Luca's a big out. So we're going in there pretty much, I wouldn't say full strength due to not having Marcus Smart, but we've got four of our main guys on who are starting, so we're going to have Kemba, Jason, Jalen, Gordon, and then we're still going to have Daniel Tice. I'd assume we might see some taco time. The big thing for me is right in the ship. We've had two bad back-to-back losses a few days off, so hopefully they've been working on some of the correctables during that time. Cody, what do you think, man? I mean, the Mavs at the best of times are a tough matchup. I mean, Chris Porzingis is working his way back to fitness. He's still playing quite well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, well, Luca being out really, I think, hurts that team a bunch. I mean, you saw it last time they were in the Garden. Luca put up 40 points and was just a magician. And being one of my favorite players in the league, like, he is just unbelievable. Take that out, and really, I think the Mavs can go on a little bit of a, a struggle streak. I know they did beat um, the 18 win streak Bucks last night without Luca, uh, but I don't. I I see the Mavericks. Mavericks going to go on a little bit of a, a, a losing streak themselves over the next six weeks, which is the timetable for Luca to come back. Um, Luca really makes everyone around him 
they're better. And yes, Kristaps is playing a little bit better now that the offense is going to be completely him, basically. Hopefully he returns to Kristaps Porzingis. Um, obviously the ACL, getting used to the game, that takes time. We know it from Gordon. Like, you know, the major injury, especially for a big man like that, he needs that time. And, you know, he's probably going to play well, and but I don't I don't see the Mavericks beating Celtics. I see them actually going a little bit street because Luka just runs everything for them. I mean, the players that are doing really well, a lot of it is because Luka's playmaking is so insane. The gravity he draws, um, you know, as a scorer, as a playmaker, he's really a special talent in this league and something that we have only seen a handful of times before at such a young age. Like, I think I'm a couple months older than Luka Doncic, which is crazy. Um, because I can barely make a free throw, let alone score 40 in the NBA. Um, so yeah, I think Luka being out really hurts the Mavericks, obviously, and I don't think they will beat the Celtics, especially at almost full strength. I don't see it being a tough, tough game. I still always think when you're coming up against West Coast opposition, it's not always as clear-cut as what you expect it to be. That's with any opposition, to be fair. But I always feel like West Coast teams are just that bit more difficult to break down. Um, from what I can see, they've been, they lost to the Heat on Sunday. They beat the Bucks, um, yesterday, Monday, by the time this airs. I mean, that's a big win without Luca as well. Yeah. I mean, like I said, they, they did pull out a pretty good win. Um, but I don't know I still see. I think just Luca really makes that entire team do he what it does. wants. He does. He helps them tick, and, and he's like, um. Yeah, and they need. I think a lot of these players need that superstar playmaker, and you know the the Kluber's and the uh, yeah, actually Kluber's the player. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, but like there's, there's a lot of spot spot up shooters that aren't isn't a lot of other primary playmakers on that team off head off like my. Head, like JG Barea, um, Seth Curry isn't really, um, uh, Jalen Brunson's, you know, I think most likely starting. I didn't see the game last night, um, for the Mavs and the, the Bucks, um, but they're nowhere near what Luca brings. And like I said, it's just much of the playmaking. A lot of the players are, are getting open shots and maybe not directly off of Luca, but that extra pass that Luca created because he's also, everyone has their eye on him at the same time. Uh, now you can basically just bully up Porzingis and you have, you just bet that, like, if I'm another team, I just, like, bully Porzingis and then I'll just dare Dorian Finney-Smith to beat me that night. Like, the team isn't really all that great without Luka. Yeah, and the thing is as well, like, you're saying you're going to dare somebody to beat you, but we've got some solid defend- defenders exactly. up and down this roster. and. Without somebody like Luca that can unlock a, a defense, like with some really high level, sometimes breathtaking, just moments of brilliance. And sometimes that's what it takes to beat a team is just being able to consistently unlock defenses. They don't have that at the moment. So I really think this is, should be, it should be an exercise in just how do we score? How do we score? And then that's, for me, this is more about getting the offense clicking again than it is the defense, which is a problem really, because then we go into a really tough game against Detroit where they're going to just throw bodies at us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Detroit is, well, the one thing about Detroit, Blake Griffin is playing probably the worst year of his career. 
Um, I think he's got a slight injury, dude. From what I can he did, he did, he did, he did start the season um, on the injury. Um, but since he's been back, he hasn't been playing well. Um, so I won't hold it completely against him. But he he wasn't what he was last year, or the year before. Or oh, for me, he was um he was definitely like an outlier on the MVP talk last year. At one point, I think it was a uh, it wasn't all the way through the season, but he started last year like incredibly well. Yeah, he had a re- I think just the injury. I think I remember, you know, he only played one game against the Bucks in the playoffs last year. And he had an incredible year, uh, definitely his best year in Detroit since then. And it kind of reminded everybody. He kind of reinvented his game, which was cool. Uh, but Blake not being what Blake we normally are used to seeing is going to help. Drummond is going to murder the Celtics on the board. I think that's a game where you see Cantor get a little bit more play normally. Normally you'll see either Tice get more minutes and Cantor only get like a couple. I think this year, this uh, against Detroit, you'll see that flip and you try to just match Andrew with Drummond. Yeah, um, I mean, two bigger dudes rebounding, obviously. I mean, I know we're going to be burning some taco days, some two way days, but yeah. for me, Drummond would just fold taco in half. Oh, yeah. I mean, he said it before taco is just tall. Yeah, he's getting, like, Drummond would just hit him so hard with his shoulder that there'd be like four tacos at the end of it. Um,. Who do you see guard? Who who is your pick like to guard KP? Who are you? Who are you, are you throwing Tice on him? Um, I think you could throw Tice on him. I wouldn't be surprised if they went a little bit smaller. Honestly, Semi might get some play against him. I feel like Semi could really outmuscle him um, because yeah, the muscle. Because you want to like let Kristaps know you're there. Like Kristaps, you want to like push him around. You want to bump him up, and I think Semi's big enough to do that, but also small enough to keep up with him. Because that's the one thing about Kristoff is those big, burly dudes, he just gets around them or pulls up in their face. And do we get to see some Boban, Boban versus Taco Tom? Oh, I hope. I love Boban. Boban's my favorite. So, Boban versus Taco would just be a mean center. I would pay my left foot that I was waiting giving to Aaron Dane for uh, Bobby and Taco. I mean, that's just a, that's a reason to watch the game, if nothing else. Even if you're not a fan of either of these teams, watching those two bigs go at each other would be so much fun. Just to see them, because you know during the broadcast, there's going to be a split screen with both of them on the screen, even if they're on the bench. So you're going to see them together, and they're going to compare them all night. I, I saw wait. Boban eat the Wizards last year, dude. Oh, he's so good. He's so when good. When he was on the Clippers, and I was, um, I was, at the, I was out in LA, and I watched um, the the Clippers and the Wizards were like, they weren't tied. I think the Clippers were ahead by like eight. And then they brought Boban on in the fourth. And um, I think he played like nine minutes all in the fourth quarter and he left with a double-double dude. Yeah, he's ridiculous. <laughs> but, okay, here's another one. Who do you think guards Tim Hardaway? Is he injured? No, uh, he's not injured. No, I don't know. Um, who guards Tim Hardaway? You'd probably throw on like Jalen. Because right now, He's their best perimeter scorer. So you probably put on Smart's not there, so you'd probably go like Jalen on him. Yeah, I'd go Jaden. Yeah, I feel like Jaden's um a very underrated defender as well. Same as J- Jason as well. I feel both of them are quite oh, underrated yeah. on this. Yeah, they're they're good defensively. They're good solid defensive players. Jalen when he wants to can be one of the better perimeter guys, I think. Like when he's hundred percent engaged and you know, when he's on, like, he could be one of the better defensive 
wings in the game, and Tatum's really, really good at uh, playing passing lanes, and he's strong enough to stay in front of people and not get pushed around. He's quick enough to get, I guess, and use his hands. He does a lot of really good things defensively as well that people don't give him credit for. So they're both two pretty good defensive players. Um, and, you know, obviously, hardly really be guarded by multiple Celtics, but my bet is, you know, J- Jalen Brown's probably going to get him for when they're in together. So, guys, that was our brief preview of the match. We would have done more, but we want, like I said before, I wanted to make sure that anyone that took the time to post a question got an answer to the question. Really appreciate all the interaction we got. Hopefully, you guys will continue to interact with us. Uh, you can interact with me on Twitter at Adam Taylor NBA. Interact on any articles I drop. Cody is should be at yeah yeah Cody, but it's not. It's at, yeah, it's not yet. Not what yet. is it, Cody? Uh, Cody Shalafu thirty three. C o d y c h a l i f o u x thirty three. So you'll hear from Cody from time to time on this podcast. He's a super good guy. Knows his ball. I'm in contact with him a lot. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back again on Friday now to recap this game and preview the Pistons game. I'm hoping to be able to line up a guest. Can't promise anything at the moment. But yeah, thank you for listening. Keep interacting with us, guys. We love these questions. We love the way it makes us think and the research it kind of pushes us to do. We'll definitely be doing more of these in the future. We're also going to look at ways to get you guys involved in phone-ins um, and other opportunities to try and get this community as involved as possible. Without you guys, this isn't possible. It's you guys keep us going. You guys are the reason that we're motivated to keep producing this content. And we'll catch you again Friday, guys. So enjoy the game. Hopefully it's a Celtics win. Hopefully we come out of there with no more injuries. We come out unscathed. Cody, what's your prediction, bro? Uh, for that game, I'm going to go 118-96. Who needs scoring? Oh, who's in scoring? Oh, sorry. I was, uh, no, no, no. I'm just throwing questions at you to end. No, give me Kemba with an 33. There we go. Kemba with 33. Now, Cody's hot takes used to be a thing on one of our previous podcasts. Hopefully, he has better luck here than he did there. Yeah. Because <laughs> they were atrocious. Yeah. <laughs> that was wild. My God. Right, guys. Thanks again, and we'll catch you on Friday. Go Celtics. I actually really enjoyed that. No, that was like...